You are listening to the MZBC Students Greenhouse Podcast. For more information about Mount Zion Baptist Church, go to mzbc.net slash students or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MZBC Students. So we started a series last week called Exponential. We're talking about your life mattering more uh, than you think. And it, it all starts with this, with small incremental moves toward God. Uh, a lot of times we look at other people uh, who are Christians around us and, they, and we think, man, they've just got it more together than we do, or, or I do, or uh, man, if only I could do, you know, things the way they do it, and, and that sort of deal. And it's not, it's not about that. They took small incremental steps to get where they were going, and you need to as well. And so instead of worrying about what all those people are doing, you're embracing God's plan for you and the path that he's given you, your um, unique connection and the relationships you have and all those sorts of things. Uh, are what allow you to have the impact that only you can have in this world. And God has that plan for you as you go through your life, the way you can impact others. Uh, whenever, we, whenever you realize that life is not about you, but it's about loving God and loving others. And so we're continuing in this series, and we're specifically talking about serving the least, the last, and the lost, <laughs> Max. Her, no. He's like, thanks. So I heard this story. I heard this story about this uh, this dad. It's not me, by the way. Shh. It's not me, by the way. Uh, but this dad and uh, and a son who's about five or six. They were on the beach. They're playing soccer. They had set up this you know little um, soccer field, and they're playing soccer. And the dad uh, is just schooling his son because he's only like five or six, right? And apparently the dad's not very humble, and so he's just like schooling his son. But eventually, because he's old, the dad like wears out because he's on the beach. That would be me if the story were actually about me. I'd wear out real quick. The sand wears me out. I hate the sand. It's the worst. Uh, anyway, so the sad, uh, the sad, the dad finally um, like slows down, tires out, and the son like jukes around him and like scores a goal and goes nuts like Central American like announcer, goal! Like rips his shirt off and stuff. And he's like five or six years old, but like so loud that like all the people on the beach kind of look and are like, what's happening over here? And the kid like out of excitement, they had like taken some rocks and like set them up. Uh, as uh, a barrier, like the out of bounds, and he like picked one up and he started like spinning around like this, and he's gonna like chunk it into the ocean. Like he's just so excited, he's like, yeah! And so he like spins around, gets into mock speed, let's go of it, and it doesn't go into the ocean. Hits his dad straight in the forehead, boom! Right? So dad's down, down and out for the count. Um, <laughs> and uh, and in that moment, that you know the d- dad, you know, is like, oh, that's right. And then he like he wakes up. And he's like sitting in a chair and people are like around him and he's and they're strangers, right? And so all these people on the beach saw this happen because the sun was being really loud or whatever. And they see this guy get nailed by a rock and pass out. And so they all rush in. They all rush in to help, right? So there's like a lifeguard on duty and he like runs over there like being awesome and stuff. And he, and he helps. And some lady like brings some ice from her cooler to like put on his head and stuff because he just got nailed by a rock. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but all these people who are strangers, one guy's like trying to flag down Coast Guard, you know, like going crazy. Like some people just like go full nuts in these scenarios. Uh, but everybody, like strangers alike, all rush into this guy to help him because being hit in the head is, can be pretty severe, right? So in, in, in these moments where things happen in front of us, there are, there's an obvious need. We all instinctively just kind of jump in and do whatever we can, right? Like if somebody, if you were there and you saw after you left for a minute or so... Uh, you saw some guy get seriously injured, you'd run in and try to help, hopefully. Uh, you'd, you'd run in and try and help, call 911 or, or whatever it is that you have. Maybe you have a first aid kit with you. 
I never leave home without them usually. Um, those sorts of deals. We instinctively run to the, the needs that we see. But what if, what if the most desperate, what if the most needy situations are ones that we're rarely ever aware of? What if the people who need help the most are the ones that we've all forgotten about? Maybe they're the people that we don't like. Right? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start in uh, verse 46. If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, it will be on the screen. So here we are, Matthew chapter 5, verse 46. This is in the middle of, excuse me, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Greatest sermon ever recorded. Because it's from Jesus, right? Any sermon from God's going to be awesome. Uh, So here we are. And he says this. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So Jesus, as usual, is calling us to go beyond ourselves, go beyond our comfort zone here. And he's saying, he's saying, yeah, like it's okay that you love your family and your friends, right? That's what you're supposed to do. But if you only do that, if you're only ever helping those in your immediate family or your friend group or that you're comfortable with, that you like, then you're no different than the world who doesn't know God or doesn't, doesn't care about God, right? Listen up, guys. If you're never reaching outside of your inner circle, then you're no different than the rest of the world because doing good things for the people you care about, even, even the most godless person in the world knows that that's, that's how you're supposed to live, even in some weird, weird ways or whatever. But like their inner family is who they take care of. And so Jesus is saying it's more than that. He takes it even further if you flip over to Matthew chapter uh, 25. So again, like last week, we're going to be jumping all over, so be ready. Uh, Matthew 25, maybe a little, helps a little, all right, because otherwise I'm going to sit here and play with it the whole time. Uh, Matthew 25, verse 35 is where we're going to start, and we're going to go through verse 40. Let me give you a little bit of context here. So this is Jesus, again, uh, going through a a set of teachings we call the parables. These are um, stories where he's using symbolism to bring light a truth, right? He's, he's using some kind of symbolic story uh, or scenario that brings forth some moral truth about God or how we're supposed to act because of God, right? In this particular section, he's talking about final judgment whenever he returns and everyone will stand before God and be judged, right? And he... Uh, Where am I starting here? Okay, let me explain a little more before we, before we actually read. I was just trying to make sure I got my order here right so it makes sense, okay? So he's talking about, he, Jesus, in a lot of places, he refers to us as sheep. Here's the thing about sheep. Some of you know this, some of you don't. Sheep are really dumb. I mean, like, super dumb, right? There's a, 
besides just like wanting to own sheep and like make a living, like shepherds exist because otherwise left to their own, like sheep just wander around and fall into traps and like do dumb things and like find themselves in places where they can't find food. They cannot really do much for themselves, right? In the same way, we humans left to our own devices outside of God, we just kind of find ourselves in like weird places, uh, falling into traps. And, and I mean, so the, the similarities are pretty, are pretty close, as much as I hate to say this as a human being. The similarities between us being as dumb as sheep are real close, all right? Uh, and so in this, Jesus is talking about in the end, and, he, and again, he's using this symbolism, the good shepherd is going to weed out the sheep and the goats, right? The sheep who are Christians are going to get to go to heaven, and then the goats are the people who never accepted Christ, who were never in relationship with God, and they're going to all go to hell, right? And so you initially think, well, isn't it pretty obvious like, I mean, why does it, like, have to take God to separate out, like, sheep and goats? Like, those are, you think in your mind, like, those are pretty clear difference between those two, right? Well, quick little insight here. In the Middle East especially, uh, and in this time, um, it's still true today. In the Middle East especially, sheep and goats actually look really, really similar. Uh, especially when they're in a pack. So, like, if they're in a herd, I guess, uh, not a pack. Uh, if they're, when they're in a herd uh, together, unless you're a shepherd and you're trained to see the difference between the two, you wouldn't know which is which. You and I, unless, are, are there any, like, sheep herders in the group? Like, for real? No, Donnie, you're not. Uh, I knew somebody was going to be sarcastic enough to say, yeah, I am, but you're not. I know none of you are. Um, listen, shh. Huh? There's always got to be one guy. There's always got to be the one guy. Listen, shh. So you wouldn't be able to stand there and tell the difference between the two. And so, uh, and so that's where, listen, that's where, that's where God comes in. And, and, and whenever we all stand before him, he knows who is his, who is in relationship with him. He's the shepherd. He knows the difference between the sheep and the goats, the Christians and the lost. Okay? And, and he'll, he'll weed those out. And so what's the, what are the defining factors here? Like what's the, what's the, the thing that he's looking at? And that's where we are in this passage here. So, Matthew 25, 35. Jesus says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous uh, will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king, this is God, will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did to me. So think about this for a second, okay? I mean, like, this is serious. Think about this. What he's saying is, everything that you have done for someone in need, it's just like you are doing that for him, for Jesus. Right? So that means the opposite is true. Everything you don't do for someone in need, you're not doing that for God. God being the creator 
of the universe and the creator of us, right? So that's one of the truths that Jesus is trying to bring forth here is that Jesus cares so much about us, all of us, and our needs, and they, and they all vary greatly from, from real, like, physical needs of food and shelter and those sorts of things all the way to, to you know, some more uh, emotional or, or spiritual types of needs. They, the, all these needs vary, and God cares about all of them greatly. And what he's saying here as Christians, the defining marker here in the end is that relationship you have with God, which calls you to serve those that the world thinks are lesser. So many times, as I was talking about earlier, we, we see the needs of the, of the people, that, of the immediate needs in front of us, right? Like someone in our family needs something, we see that because it's right in front of us. But we so often forget about, we so often forget about all the people uh, around the world. They estimate... <clears throat> Anywhere from 140 to 200 million kids will go to bed tonight without a parent to tuck them in. Tonight. Right? And there, and there are just gobs and gobs and gobs of people around the world that didn't have a meal today. And this isn't like, you're all terrible, right? That's not what I'm saying. Like, it's just we, we get so, and I'm just as guilty, and I'm just as convicted about this. We get so caught up in our own lives and our own needs and just the obvious stuff that's in front of us that we forget that there are things, and, and I, you know, I, all these numbers are huge, and they, they kind of don't make sense to us. 200 million people, like, I don't understand that. I don't really compute that. But here in Huntsville, I don't have any numbers on it, but there, there, are, there are tons and tons of people here in Huntsville who need the same things, who need food, who need a place to stay, who need all kinds of things. There's all kinds of people here in Huntsville who need someone to step out and help them. And we're called as Christians to love God and love others, right? Not just love God and love your family. Love God and, and, and love the people that you like. But everybody else that you don't really care, you don't really like, and, you, and maybe that person has done something wrong to you or whatever, I don't have to love those people. That's not what it says, right? We're to love God and we're to love others. I think there are three, uh, three steps that we can take from here, okay? So I've talked a lot about, uh, or it's just been two weeks, but I've talked about these incremental things that will grow and, and in the end be exponential uh, in our growth with God, right? And so it starts with <clears throat> prayer. So we pray and ask God to share his heart for the forgotten, okay? So we pray and ask God to share his heart for the forgotten. God cares about these people, okay? God cares about you. He cares about everyone, okay? And so whenever we're, uh, whenever you're a Christian, you're in relationship with him, one of the things that happens, the Holy Spirit comes and lives, lives within you. And when you're following the leading of the Holy Spirit, your heart and your mind are going to change to think the way God thinks and care the way God cares, right? And so if you just begin with this simple thing of asking God to make your heart care about the same things that his heart cares about, it will start to incrementally grow your capacity for loving and seeing the needs of people around you beyond just your inner circle of people. Turn to Proverbs chapter 31. Go in Old Testament.
Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9. It's going to be on the screen if you don't have a Bible. So here we go. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are uh, destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. So when we care for people, whenever we ask God to give us a heart that's like his heart, which is caring about people and caring about their needs, both are, are all inclusive there, physical, emotional, spiritual, all of those, all of those levels, uh, God cares about those people. And whenever our heart is turned that way to care about people beyond ourselves and beyond our circle to others around us who have these needs, we'll begin to stand up for those people and defend those people. But here, I need everybody looking at me, Okay. This does not look like protests. This does not look like buying some bracelet or a t-shirt that raises awareness of some kind of cause. Those things, in the, done in the right way, are helpful. But what God is calling us to do here is for you and me to go where people are that are in need and take everyone we can with us to go and help them, right? This isn't Oh, let me, let me just buy this T-shirt and I'm done. I've helped those people because I bought a $20 T-shirt that they'll probably only see like 50 cents of, right? Like that's not like really, that's not really what God's talking about here. He's talking about you and I actually going and actually helping meet people's needs. Good? I'll get off my soapbox on that one. Uh, the, next, the next step here, so we pray and ask God uh, to share his heart for the forgotten. And then we look for opportunities to sit face to face with those in need. We look for opportunities to sit face to face with those in need. All right, let's turn over to Acts. The book of Acts, chapter 1. We're going to be in verse 8, very popular verse. But I want us to see something a little different in here. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Again, it's going to be on the screen if you don't have a Bible. So here we go. And this... This is Jesus' last words before he ascends into heaven, right? So Jesus has already died, and he's come back from the dead, and he's, and he's been uh, bouncing around, meet, uh, seeing people and doing some different things. Uh, when I say bouncing around, I mean, like, at this point, Jesus, like, literally just, like, appears in places, and it's awesome um, because he's awesome. Uh, and then before he ascends into heaven to stay there until he comes a second time, which he has not yet done, uh, this is the last thing he says. Here we go, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So first things first, it says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. Now on this day, right when Jesus was talking, the Holy Spirit didn't work in the world the way he does now. He didn't come and live in Christians at this point when Jesus was talking, right? It was several days later that the Holy Spirit finally came, and there was this day we call, we refer to as Pentecost, uh, whenever Peter and some of the disciples started sharing the gospel, and like in one day, 3,000 people accepted Christ and became Christians. It was, it was incredible, right? And so that was when the Holy Spirit first came, uh, and things started getting crazy, right? It was awesome. And the church just started exploding. Holy Spirit now comes whenever you begin your relationship with Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in your heart, and it's and this is that Christianese, some of that, you know, right? We've talked about that before, these, these phrases that we say. And, and basically, the role of the Holy Spirit in your life, when you become a Christian, the, the Holy Spirit comes and leads you, right? 
It's when you read the scripture and you can understand what it's saying. It's the Holy Spirit that is teaching you in those moments. We cannot just naturally on our own accord understand what the Bible is really saying. So it's the Holy Spirit that teaches us. And it's the Holy Spirit who interprets our prayers to God. It says he's our intercessor, right? We don't always know what to pray to God. It's the Holy Spirit who knows our heart and communicates that with God the Father. Right? And so that's how the Holy Spirit comes and works in power today. And next thing he says, and you'll be my witnesses. Right? And so he was talking to these people, and he's talking to us by way of Scripture, saying that we're to go to these places and be his witness, which means we are to share the story of Jesus being who he says he is, which is the Messiah, the Savior, to bring us back into right, right relationship with God, this gospel message that we are to carry, right? Here's the thing about being a witness. Like in a courtroom, to be a witness, you kind of have to show up, right? Yeah. You sort of have to be there. Yeah, the same is true about being the witness for Jesus. You kind of have to be there to witness to somebody, right? Like if you're going to share the story of Jesus. Now, there are, there are multiple platforms here as a media uh, savant, I don't know, I'm, I just made that word up. It's not a real word, but it's not in the context of what I'm just saying. But like someone who loves media, there are multiple ways to communicate stories and to communicate the gospel. But over and over and over and over and over again, it is proven that nothing is really more significant than face-to-face -face interaction. So this is where I'm talking, I was talking about earlier, this, us physically going to where people have needs to meet their needs and taking as many Christians with us as we can as we go. Jesus says for us to be his witness, and he said for them anyway, to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now for us, that kind of looks like being Jesus' witness in Huntsville, in Alabama, the U.S., and the world, right? So it starts here in Huntsville and then works its way out. Hmm? Like a ripple, if you want to see it that way. Um, so that, that's how it works. But here's, here's one thing I want you to notice here. Jesus used words wisely. He's God, so he kind of knows what he's doing here. And so there's one of these places he references here. He says, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Here's the thing about Samaria. Jesus is talking to a crowd that is predominantly Jewish. There may be a few Gentiles mixed in there. I don't really know, but there's this crowd that Jesus is talking to before he ascends that's predominantly Jewish, all right? The people of Samaria and the Jewish people hated one another. I mean, just hated one another. A common saying amongst the Jewish people at this time was that they wouldn't even allow someone from Samaria to untie their sandals, right? So their main shoe of that day were, were like sandals, uh, not flip-flops, but like sandals that would like tie around your ankles and stuff. Uh, and you would, everywhere you walked, it was, it was dirt. They're like semi-desert and stuff. They didn't have paved roads, right? Uh, so they're, they're walking around everywhere. Their feet are nasty. And when they get in their house, one of their slaves, because they had the, those at that time, unfortunately, one of their slaves, not just any slave, but like the lowest slave, like the least respected, like the worst job ever slave, was the one who would come and untie these nasty, muddy, gross sandals off of, off of their feet and then wash their feet before they would walk around the house. And so they hated the Samaritans so much that they would say, I wouldn't even let them untie my sandals. Like the worst job ever, I wouldn't even let them do that because I hate them so much. 
So Jesus intentionally says Samaria here because he's, he's letting this crowd of predominantly Jewish people know that he cares about those people just as much as he cares about everyone else in the world. So in your life, are there people, you're, you're in junior high, and so you, you haven't lived long enough to make like lots of enemies, uh, hopefully, but, uh, but I know there's probably been some drama with somebody somewhere along the way. When's the last time you went and were the witness of Jesus to those people? When's the last time you went to those people and saw if they sincerely needed something? Jesus is calling us to move beyond our inner circle of family and friends and people that we like to the world and caring about everyone equally, even the people that we despise. All right? So we begin by praying and asking God to share his heart with ours. We look for opportunities to sit face to face. Now, this, this is an intentionality, right? This is us going throughout our day intentionally looking for people that are in need story in the beginning, right? All those people rushed into that guy who got nailed in the face by a son, right? Everybody rushed in because they, meet, they saw that obvious need. And we do that often. We rush in and we help in obvious needs. But, but what God is calling us to is to live a life where we're trying to find the not so obvious needs. These people who are desperate in lots of ways and, don't, and aren't just always obvious about how desperate they are which means you're called to be intentional to look for these scenarios and these people to help. So we're praying and we're looking intentionally for opportunities. And then we're choose, we choose to serve those in need. It's a choice, just like everything else. God doesn't force us to do any of this stuff. He doesn't say, if you don't do that thing, I'll murder you. Like, he doesn't do that. He's not like other people's false gods, right? God, the true God, calls us to do these things. And then we, because he has if we have allowed him to change our heart to care about the things he cares about, then we are going to choose to serve these people because that's what God has called us to do. Do our lives show that we care about the things that Jesus cares about? There are lots of different service opportunities around here. Uh, one of the things I gave to your uh, small group leaders in the email uh, is a contact of a guy who, who works for the city of Huntsville Named Rodney, he's an awesome dude. He's got a sweet beard, right? Uh, one of his or his job is to help connect people like us to people in this in the city of Huntsville who are in need, right? So maybe it starts as simple as that. You guys, as a group, getting connected with this guy, he gives you all the tools and all the all, everything you need. You just show up to a place and you help somebody. Maybe it starts there with something as simple as that, and then before you know it, you're living a life serving those in need as Christ has called us to live. So we pray and ask God to share his heart with us. We, look, we intentionally look for opportunities to sit face-to-face with people and share the gospel, and we choose to serve those people and meet their needs. And I've mentioned this before, okay? So the, the, the immediate obvious thing, which I've talked about, uh, is, you know, food and basic necessities, right? Food, water, shelter, like we, and we think of, you know, homeless shelters and those sorts of things. And there's lots of organizations that we can work with in all these scenarios and helping these kinds of people. But there are people in this room, there are people in your school who don't have basic needs. Like they have meals, they have probably more food than they can shake a stick at, right? I mean, like they're taken care of on those basic needs. 
But there are spiritual, emotional needs that they, that they have, right? And Jesus is a solution to those. So you think, oh, I don't know any homeless people. Well, one, you're not looking. But two, um, you're probably hanging out with people in school who aren't homeless, who aren't, don't have those serious of needs, but they have just as serious of spiritual and emotional needs. And you reach out and you share the gospel. Let me, uh, let me pray. I have one uh, quick announcement, and then we'll move into small groups. Father, I thank you uh, that you love us so much that you don't leave us to our own mess, that you are the good shepherd that brings us in and guides us where we need to go when we're in a relationship with you. Lord, it's not easy for us to try and live the way you've called us to live, but help us to start slowly, beginning to see the world the way you see the world, which is desperate, broken people who are in need of you. And then push us to do something about it and to reach out to those people. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.